I felt great opening this. As soon as I Absolutely. got it home, I was like, pop, Boom. and like done. Like there's like, it was great. Funky notes, which I think was Pappy's really known for that kind of oaky, funky, cherry, yeasty sort of weirdness that kind yeah. of comes through. And I love Bourdain. Um, I really, if you know him, just send him my way. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now when we're lower in the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. All right, welcome to the Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And uh, today we're going to talk about Pappy Van Winkle. We're going to talk about mash bills. We're going to talk about um, Weller. Weeded bourbons. Weeded bourbons. Weeded bourbons, yeah. Yeah. Um, We thought we'd we'd pull out the big guns today as far as kind of whiskey and bourbon and cult following. Uh, But we wanted to talk about what makes them all different because there's a lot of rumors on the internet. I don't know if you've the internet, Jamie. I don't have the internet. Yeah, no, I figured it. So it's it's, it's no, too I passe. Don't, no, I don't. Um, it's it's, it's, it's over now. The internet's like like last year, wasn't it? Um, but if yeah. you read the internet, there's a lot of rumors that the whole internet. The whole internet. There's a lot of rumors that these bottles of whiskey. This one costs thirty five dollars. This one costs fifty dollars. This one costs a hundred, few hundred dollars. This one costs several hundred dollars. Um, there's a rumor that these are all the same whiskey. I, I feel like we should dis- disprove this rumor first. Let's uh, do it. And by the way, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I, jeez, oh, see now we've got two channels. We got to make sure we. I know. Show and tell. By the way, guys, we're on YouTube now. Apparently, um, uh, every year, every month, week, I'm going to say that just in case it didn't work out. But uh, so go to the YouTube. Uh, go to the YouTubes on yeah. the internet, and, and you can, can see. see us in yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I threw out Old Weller Antique 107, uh, Weller 12. Uh, William Lou Weller uh, and some old Rip Van Winkle from uh, the Pappy Van Winkle Distillery, which is another fun conversation. That is a whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how these whiskeys are so differently priced. Yes. Um, have such a different cult following. Yes. And how one of these whiskeys made all the rest very, very expensive in general. Right? Indeed. All right. Yes. So that's, that's kind of our, that's kind of going to be our talk today. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think it's really interesting because, like, you know, they're generally, like, they're the same. Yeah. Right? Ish. Ish. So let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jim, why, why don't you tell us about the mash bills? Like, what, 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 is, what makes these, because, I mean, the, the controversies, these have the same recipe, quote, right. unquote. So what, what makes them the same recipe? When we talk about, like, a mash bill, it's essentially it's exactly that. It's a recipe. It is the sort of ratio of grains used. So, you know, usually with a bourbon, you're going to get um, at least 51% corn by law. Uh, and then you'll get a little bit of rye and a little bit of malted barley. And those percentages change depending on the different kind of bourbon. Um, for this one specifically, they've opted out of the rye component and put wheat in mm-hmm. and therefore making it a weeded bourbon uh, instead of a sort of a rye bourbon. So yeah, so um, yeah, mash bill, basically your recipe, your ratio of grains, uh, how much corn versus uh, wheat versus malted barley. Um, And essentially your distillery will have 
one or two or three different sort of recipes and different kinds of like mash bills you got high like often you'll get with Jim Beam there's you know you've got this high rye mash bill and you've got sort of a lower rye mash bill mm-hmm. and same with um, Buffalo Trace and sometimes you get a weeded one in there and so yeah all these come from the same mash bill which is the same recipe so why would they be different, Mark? Yeah, right. So what makes all these many? Dis- I mean, we have four here, but I mean, we, we've got the cheapy, uh, non-pappy, pappy. Uh, That's one of my faves. That's a top five bourbon for me, for yeah, sure. Same here, over Van Winkle. Yep. yep. Um, well, let's explain that first. I feel like uh, let's explain that first. So, um, Pappy Van Winkle, as we know, is the you know been popularized, especially in the 2010s, I would say. Uh, before that, it was a very affordable drink. Uh, the bottle here is like a $35 bottle of whiskey, um, and especially was 35 bucks in the good old days. Um, but today, it's, uh, it costs a few hundred dollars. Sorry? The good old days. Yeah, right? Uh, but today, it costs a few hundred dollars, and um, it largely comes because of the Pappy 15, 20, and 23. Mm-hmm. This isn't an official Pappy, as uh, uh, Julian uh, Van Winkle has said, because it's not a 15 or, or higher. So it's called Old Rip Van Winkle. If you ever call this pappy on the internet, the People, internet will get mad. That's, this is the theme for today. You. This is the theme for today. What makes the internet mad? Um, so don't call this a pappy, though uh, it is essentially Old Rip Van Winkle made by the Pappy Van Winkle Distillery. Um, right there. I'll just, uh, it says Pappy Van Winkle Distillery. Now, does that exist? Old Rip Van Winkle Distillery. Oh, geez, see, they change it on everything. I know. Um, yeah, that distillery doesn't exist. One of the funny rules about uh, the U.S. is you can make up a distillery name. Uh, this is actually Buffalo Trace Distillery. All these whiskeys have been made in Buffalo Trace Distillery, which is where the similarities first start. Yes. Uh, so one of the similarities between them all is they're the same distillery um, and they have the same mash bill. Mm-hmm. But you asked me what makes them different makes them different Mark. well one one thing is uh proof levels indeed however i always i love this comparison because you have older family called 107 mm-hmm. and then you have old weller antique 107 107 same proof point but different different age. ages uh, te- uh the older family Winkle is 10 years old and we know a 107 to be about a seven eight year old uh, bourbon. Um, so certainly the age statements are going to be different. The proof levels are usually different. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how they are, where they are aged in the warehouse. Indeed. So uh, some areas of the warehouse will make a whiskey drier. Uh, will, some others will increase evaporation of alcohol. Others will increase evaporation of water and other things. So it's really that, that where that barrel is located will change how that whiskey tastes. And that variation is different. So if you look at, you know, the way it looks for, like, especially the 15, 20, 23, Julian Van Winkle comes in and he tastes a bunch of barrels. And he's like, yeah, this is 23. And they put, Mm -hmm. you know, 7, 10, 12 barrels together. Mm -hmm. And that becomes your 20 or Mm 23-year-old, assuming they're Mm 20-year-old barrels. Um, So the age statement certainly makes a difference. The proof point makes a difference. Um, But the similarities otherwise are there. Now, I've tasted these two side by side. Uh, they don't taste really that no. similar at all. No. Um, even include the Weller 12 in here. Um, these two don't taste that similar either. Um, and uh, it all really comes down to the fact that they, they, they're aged differently. They're aged in a different warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of distilleries use similar mash bills, mm-hmm. but they still manage to make the whiskey taste differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's what you're sort of looking for is, and that's kind of the magic, I think, of whiskey in the first place, is that you can have, you start out with the same spirit that comes off your still, 
and you can put it in certain spots for a certain period of time and cut it a certain way with water and you're going to get a very, very different sort of um, whiskey. And mm-hmm. so that's exactly what you're looking for. You, you know, as Julian Van Winkle or anyone that's sort of blending or, or making these whiskeys is going to be able to nose a cask and say like, okay, well, this has the characteristics of what we want from a William LaRue Weller. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're going to keep that in the barrel for another year. Maybe we're going to do this. Maybe we're going to do that. Or this one has a characteristic of the Weller 12. And so we're going to do this with it. And we're either going to like, you know, batch it together with the rest of the ones that have those characteristics. Um, So to be able to, but at the end of the day, it's still a very like nuanced sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, like you do have to have like quite the palette to be able to pull out one barrel and say like, oh, this one's going to fit in the puzzle of this specific whiskey. Yeah. Um, because that's exactly what you need to have happen is you're batching all of these and marrying all these casts together. You have to know how they're going to balance out and when they're going to give you that like kind of ultimate balance of what you're looking for uh, in sort of, so you've got, you know, the Weller 12, which is pretty much there. Like the, um, what's the other Weller it escapes my um, not the 107 the special oh, the reserve. The special reserve yeah. yeah so that's kind of their like entry level mm-hmm. whiskey 40 percent um, alcohol 40 percent yeah. that's their entry level so that's going to be like their bread and butter and that what they're looking for with that one is they're going to say okay this cast turned out a little weird we can blend that into that mm-hmm. and it's going to add something to it and it's going to give us this characteristic and so they're looking to like sort of batch those ones together first uh and then you're going to start looking for your like step two which is maybe the the 12 uh and you're going to look for a barrel that you know or a bunch of barrels that sort of turned out to the specific sort of um this palette this flavor profile and you're going to put those into your weller 12 and so it's just fascinating how someone uh can go in with their nose and just be like, mm, you know where this woman's going to fit right over here. And this yeah. one's going to fit over here. Leave that one in the barrel for a little longer. And it's going to be, you know, representative of something, you know, this one's coming along really well. It's doing all this stuff. Let's leave it and see how it goes for three more months or whatever. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. I, I think it, um, that's a great point. Cause it, Buffalo trace distillery that makes all these, um, that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. Uh, that's way different than four roses or maker's mark where four roses, uh, has single floor warehouses, so yeah. they don't. They don't. They just have one floor. They really want consistent, uh, consistent weathering throughout the whole warehouse. Um, they don't have like the top of the warehouse it tends to get drier. Yeah. Like they don't. They don't. They don't want that variation. Um, and uh, Maker's Mark uh, is probably the only distillery in the world that moves. The, they rotate. They yeah. rotate. They have like three, I don't know if they have three floors. They may have five floors, but they take the barrels from the top yeah. and put them to the bottom, and vice versa, so that you get that that barrel that's been really overheated yeah. and dry. They move it to the bottom, so like its next couple of years are a little easier on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they age everything from five to seven years because they're like that's the range. If it's been a very hot five years, then okay mm-hmm. and uh, so they have that range and that middle of course the middle of the warehouse is kind of their sweet spot so that's why they rotate them um so a lot of distillers try to make the same product buffalo trace wants to make a different product every single yes. time yeah um but pappy van winkle wasn't always made of buffalo trace either correct yes it was made uh, originally it's it's a weller yeah 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 and uh, i don't think any of the pappies that are being i think we're done with all those i think we were done yeah. like two years ago with all this it's a weller pappies so uh what we have coming out now is is just buffalo traces like uh, yeah. version of the pappy van winkle which is yeah I, that's, that's a good thing we should we should explain that so uh, the 23 year old uh 
Pappy Van Winkle for the longest time had a little bit of original Stitzelweller juice and it was blended in. So I think in the last four years they just blended in new stuff. Well, it's all 23-year-old. It has to be 23-year-old or older. But they would basically blend in 23-year-old Buffalo Trace weeded bourbon with the 23-year-old or older, 24, 25, uh, Stitzel Weller. And I believe they even kept – and I, some of the stuff we're dealing with are rumors because, you know, they don't really want to tell you. But I believe they kept some of the 23-year-old original Stitzel Weller in, in a metal uh, stainless steel tub so it doesn't age anymore. They just wanted to, they wanted to stop the aging process, but they want to have some so they can kind of blend out that variation in flavor. Yes, please. Um, and so uh, the original Cicerella distillery, that's where Pappy came from. Uh, but there was a few other distillers that it came from. Uh, when I was um, at Jack Rose in Washington, D.C. a couple of months ago, um, the owner was really nice enough to pour me the original Pappy Van Winkle 23. Bill? Yes, Bill. <laughs> um, the, thanks, Jamie. Um, poured me the original Pappy Van Winkle 23, which apparently wasn't even a weeded bourbon. It was just a bourbon. It was, it was a rye mash bill bourbon. Wow. Um, and made it a completely different distillery with a different everything. Now, funny enough, though, uh, going back to the importance of where that barrel was, the flavor profile was very similar. The kind of because mm. for me, I always get the cherry notes. Like for yep. a pappy, I get the like the the boozy cherry notes, especially as the older they get, the boozier it gets, of course, uh, with the cherry notes that is. Um, and and it did it did have. It did have a very familiar boozy cherry note, even though it wasn't a weeded bourbon, was made in a completely different location. So, mm. you know, you, you can argue that you can kind of play with that where it depends on where those barrels are. And then you can mm. kind of play with the flavor profile you mm -hmm. get from that. Um, yeah. And I think that's what makes a weeded bourbon interesting in this area, because that rye does take over a lot of the oak notes typically. Mm -hmm. uh, but with a weeded bourbon leaves a little bit of space there for the oak spicy notes to come through. Absolutely. So we're drinking the... Uh, Antique 107. The 107. Which is a beautiful whiskey. And again, used to be very cheap. <laughs> used to be. Used to be. Back, back in the olden days. Uh, not that long ago, actually. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a lovely... And the thing about like weeded bourbons is, is the, the general consensus is that they're softer. They've got slightly sort of more sweet notes into it. So like those fruity sort of like cherry notes and, and that sort of stuff. Um... I do find that that spiciness of the oak comes out. And honestly, mm -hmm. if you can't tell the difference between a weeded bourbon and a rye bourbon on a blind test, like I wouldn't like say like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I wouldn't like, no, you know, be, yeah. be bummed with yourself because I think that that's, it's really hard to sort of figure out with your palate what, where the spicy notes are coming from. Are they coming from the oak? Are they coming from the rye? Uh, that's like a super, you have to have a great palate for that. So, yeah. so if you're doing, you know, blind tastings and you, you call a weeded bourbon and it's not, or you call a rye bourbon and it's not like, that's no big deal. Um, because I do get that spice from it. Um, I think that for me, the rye comes through as more like, um, it's like a little heavier, I guess on the palate. Like it's got that sort of like that pickly, I always mm. think of like rye and then I've got this, apparently it's not supposed to be there, but that dill pickle sort of like spiciness, that spiciness right at the front of your mouth. And I find this spiciness comes in just nicely on the end. Um, but it is like a really lovely, well-made, well-structured bourbon that has just a hint of sort of everything that's really, really nice. Nothing is super overwhelming in this. It's a, it's a yeah. really well done. Like I wouldn't say that was 107. No, yeah, you, you couldn't tell the proof point, um, but I agree with you. Because of that high proof point, um, 
that that pepperiness really comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you would you you could easily mistake this for a high rise. Like there's not a. Yep. I, and I would say, and then one one thing we do lose um, when we're talking about kind of more expensive whiskeys, we're talking about like you know the the Wellers or that. The one thing you lose on the smaller price point range is uh, I think Jamie mentioned this earlier that uh, distilleries will take a lot of different a lot more barrels and blend these barrels together, marry them together, and, and this kind of thing, and that creates a situation where you're going to get more even notes. So I would say this 107 is a very even whiskey. It's it's mm-hmm. not doesn't have a lot of a lot of like um, different kind of funky flavors. It's yeah. it's a very steady, steady, easy easy whiskey to drink. Um, Whereas when you have fewer barrels in, when you use fewer ba- barrels in a release, now you can kind of play with those funky notes, which I think what Pappy's really known for, that kind of oaky, funky, cherry, yeasty sort of weirdness that kind yeah. of comes through, especially when you get into those older, older uh, whiskeys. Um, but but it's certainly at this range, too. It's uh, at this at 107 on the Weller side. Uh, I would say there's not a lot of that funkiness to this. This is kind of straight out. If you're drinking this, this is a straight out whiskey. You, you're you're drinking something that's very consistent in, in flavor profile. Absolutely. And I think the whole thing with like the Pappy Van Winkle, and I think we've talked about this sort of over and over again, but for anyone who's new to the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the phenomenon of Pappy Van Winkle is, is kind of really interesting. It, it came sort of, well, there was like, there was, um, I think Bourdain sort of yeah, I think Bourdain, popular. Yeah. yeah. And I love Bourdain. Um, I really, if you know him, just send it my way. <laughs> I'm a big fan. The State of Logic podcast is like no other. We don't have the same focus as so many other podcasts where we're just me talking about business or politics or whatever. We talk about everything with everyone, intellectuals, comedians, and celebrities alike. Sometimes it's a 20-minute interview. Sometimes it's a three-hour interview. But at the end of the day, it's a great conversation that we often laugh about and learn something from at the same time. Come check us out at the State of Logic podcast. Um, so he sort of like popularized through his te- one of his television shows. I can't remember which one. He mentioned he really liked Pappy Van Winkle, and it sort of caught on in that sort of like pop culture sort of realm. Yeah. And then there was like the Pappy Van Winkle like heist that happened. Mm-hmm. So from 2013, yeah, yeah. In 2013, there was um, um, a, a bunch of Pappy barrels went missing or whatever, and so it sort of spoke to the scarcity of the whiskey. Um, some people called it um, a PR publicity stunt, and some people, you know, but there were people that were arrested and the mm-hmm. whole thing. And yeah, so, they caught the people, yeah. Yep. So whether or not, whatever you believe, the whole jazz around Pappy Van Winkle and the excitement around it, it is a great bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely bourbon. Um, and we've talked about many, many sort of whiskeys in this territory, which is it's a great whiskey, but is it worth what people yeah. are paying on the market? Uh for Pappy Van Winkle, the 50, I mean, we got the 15, and again, we talk about the LCBO sometimes. We were really lucky that we get, if you win the lottery, you get it basically kind of at the cost it would have been. So I have a Pappy Van Winkle 15 at home. We got, we went in the lottery, and I think we paid 150 bucks for it. Yeah. Great whiskey for 150 yeah. bucks. Beautiful, well-composed, structure is gorgeous. Like, it's just a really lovely, lovely dram of whiskey. But would I pay $1,200 for it on the secondary market? Like, probably not. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd be like, ugh, when am I going to open this? Like, I felt great opening this. As soon as I Absolutely. got for it home, I was like, pop, Boom. and like, done. Like, there's, like, it was great. And so um, when you start to think about it in that capacity, then you're like, oh, well, 
like how good a whiskey is it it's a fantastic whiskey yeah. it really is it's lovely and i i don't know is the the thing like dying down now do we feel like the the buzz or are people still just like going for like maniacs i i, th- I think it's still there i it's think it's still, still there, there. yeah okay. I, that's, that's my impression enough. yeah yeah that's fair enough i'll be curious to see if they've ramped up um like making the whiskey and what's going to happen in 15 years. Yes, exactly. When they have more 15, 20, 23 year olds. Exactly. Is it going to command the same sort of like excitement that it does at this point? Or is it going to be like it was in the day where you could just walk in the liquor store and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to buy this bottle of Pappy for 45 bucks. Yeah. And like that $45 was expensive. Yeah. For a back bourbon. then. Who like paid, that was, who pays that was like scotch territory. Exactly. Yeah, like that was $45, like a, 50 bucks. Like, no, are you kidding me? Like I'm going to get the, the $25 one. So like, yeah, no, I'm curious to see what it, what's in store for it. People are doing sort of fun things with it nowadays. Like I saw, a. a bar in Kentucky I think it was was doing jello shots with Pappy 15 yeah right just to really stick it to to the uh yeah to the craze just like screw sure. it we're gonna do jello shots sure. um yeah I think the um and I mean Weller is a good example of a whiskey that's been uh that's been kind of like taken over I'll use the, I'll, I'll, the but like that's been really uh, hit up by the lack of um by Pappy because when Pappy was sold out, they're like, well, Weller 12, this is, this is the same. Uh, this is the same. Yeah. It's got the same age statement because there's a, uh, Van Winkle 12 year old. Yep. Uh, they're like, well, they're both 12. So this is great. It's the same mash bill. And then, you know, and you even go to Kentucky and people in Kentucky are like, oh yeah, you know, um, uh, this is basically the same. It's identical to Pappy. Never mind the same. Yep. They, they think it's absolutely identical to Pappy. Um, and of course we know that it's not like if you taste these side by side, yeah. Um, and I mean, Jamie mentioned this as well. Like if, you know, like it all depends on your palate. So certainly if you don't drink a lot of whiskey, if you taste them side by side, uh, no doubt they might taste very similar. Um, but in, but they do, they are different whiskeys. They are aged differently. They're batched, they're, they're batched differently. There's a lot of differences there, but the recipe is identical. The eight statement is identical. Um, I would, I would probably argue that the, uh, Van Winkle version of it may use some older product over 12 in there. Oh, for sure. And I bet you well at 12 dozen. They've got some funky barrels in there yeah, that they, they do. can just they get do. right in and you can sort of you can hide your mistakes in those mm-hmm. sort of bread and butter whiskeys which I think um, yeah. is great because you do actually get the character and mm-hmm. the funkiness and the fun and the excitement of those old barrels um, in a younger whiskey and for sure like you can you can really blend away so many mistakes yeah and and it actually adds to the whiskey so you know everyone you know is like oh a 12 year old guaranteed you've got some 15 year olds in there you can that taste didn't it. make the cut you like you yeah. get for sure 100 percent. Yeah. it's rich they've got the whiskey there and that's the thing is like they've got these barrels there and they have pulled them in the, and you know someone at some point has made a decision we're gonna let this barrel age and then when they aged it it was like ooh, that didn't too work long. out so well that's too long it's too oaky it's like chewing on a branch you know what let's blend that into whatever and it actually adds something to it it adds depth it adds that sort of like oakiness that they're looking for and so yeah there's no turning up your noses at any of these whiskeys as far yeah. as i'm concerned yeah absolutely yeah uh yeah and i mean so th- that's it like weller 12 became at the 35 dollar whiskey in the u.s and really now it's selling on shelves for 120 180 dollars um and that so that that's the craze like and i think weller 12 is interesting because that was like that that one that 
everybody that was a whiskey fan just bought. You just went yeah. in. It's kind of like it was. It's kind of like Wild Turkey Rare Breed, right? Like you go in and you just buy Rare Breed. Like it's not. It's not meant to be a rare whiskey. It's supposed to be a nice, good whiskey that's available. Yeah. Uh, but Weller Twelve just you know, uh, and I think that, you know the phenomenon happened partially because of the weeded mash bill because Buffalo Trace didn't do a lot of weeded whiskey. They primarily make. They have two bourbon yeah. mash bills that are with rye, and they primarily make. If you look at Eagle Rare, Blanton's. Uh, Buffalo Trace, all those use one of those two mash bills. Um, so their weeded mash bill production was probably pretty low. Yep. So for that demand to just skyrocket the way it did in over several years, yeah, they're having trouble producing Weller 12. Well, 12 years ago, that was before the Pappy Van Winkle craze even started. Exactly. So when people say like, oh, it's all done on purpose. No, I don't think it is. I, I, I'm a big conspiracy theorist, as we know. But like 12 years ago, so let's see, it's, it's, it's 2018. Uh, so that was freaking, <laughs> Jamie's laughing, 2006. If you were in 2006, would yeah. you be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should triple our production of weeded. Yeah we did uh bourbon nobody yeah. was nobody was saying that no no that no. wasn't a thing you're right um so yeah to make this 12 year old uh weller it, it, they don't have enough they they don't and the demand is insane sky high yeah 100 yep, percent. but i don't think it we don't have it here today but it doesn't taste i would say this one starts bringing out kind of like a good oak balance like the flavors oh, yeah. of the oakiness is there um i don't get the heavy cherry cherry kind of sweetness uh and i don't get as much funkiness on this one um uh still kind of more of a steady kind of well blended out whiskey but yeah. uh it has that growing character that i'm really really enjoying and well yeah. 12 is a classic um oh, yeah. i would say the 107 is a classic kind of everyday drinker if it if you could buy it every day you would that would be a great drinker you would have every day the 12 is a little bit more of a, that special pour of uh, a little bit of little bit of finesse there as far as that 100%. age, the maturity of those barrels. Yeah. But on the nose, though, on the nose, it does remind you a little bit of Pappy, though, right? It's oh, got for a, sure. It's got that, that, like I said, a little bit of that cherry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we also have another treat, which was for Ontario people to know what it means to win the lottery. <laughs> right. The LCBO lottery. <laughs> and I guess a lot of places now in the States are doing the lottery as well. Yeah. Like they're instead of making people like line up for however long, they're doing like a, just like a general sort of thing. So um, my husband actually won this in the lottery two years ago. Been pretty good on that. Yeah, I'd say. Even, like, uh, not, we've shared it. We brought it to a couple. Yeah, things, yeah, so you've been like, sharing it for sure. Yep, uh, that might make so it to now, the heel party. <laughs> I was gonna say it's probably gonna show up at the heel party because at this point we're about halfway down the bottle, and as Mark Bylock likes to say. Once you're about halfway, you should just, just basically drink it. finish it. Yeah. Which we're not going to do today because <laughs> it is 67.7%, oh. 135.4 proof. So, um, yeah, this is the 2016 edition mm -hmm. of uh, William LaRue Weller of the B-TAC. Yep. Drew Mavel made that official, everybody. Uh, B-TAC. Uh, I know some people call it. B-T-A-C? Is that something? I don't know why they would spend off. too many. Too many words. Too many syllables. Syllables. Um, yeah, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. Every year they release uh, a new set of uh, six different whiskeys, and this is one of them. Uh, that's also where you get your Stag and your Eagle 17, Eagle Rare 17. Um, Handy Rye. Handy Rye. Sazerac. Yeah, and sa yeah. Um, here it is right here. Yeah, look at that. 
What uh, this? So William Weller, um, the other thing, and this one makes it different than all the others, uh, is it has a vintage to it. Every year, the proof is a little different. Yeah. There's a year on the bottom. Is there a year on the bottom? Actually, no, I don't know. I just know what this is. Yeah. yeah. It's that's yeah. right. They 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 they're a little coy with that. They don't tell you the year it's released, but it's always a different proof point. So if you look up what 67.7 percent is, yeah. they'll that will tell you what year that was released because there's never it. been another 67.7. Actually, so does that mean that this is 2015? Or 16, because we get it. Right, we get it the year after. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be the 2015 version. Right. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Or someone will tell me. That's someone will tell No doubt someone will tell me. Um, so 67.7%, 135.4 proof on this one. Um, this is like, this would be the sort of best of the best casks that yeah. would go into this one. This one would be, you know, your, your Weller uh, bourbons, but the ones that have just like done so well, the ones that have like exceptional casks that just sort of like matured really well, that have a lot of flavor, not necessarily a lot of like oak or a lot of whatever, but like the most well-balanced, like the most sort of interesting uh, whiskeys would have gone into this one. So it's not, mm. it's not a single barrel by any stretch. Yeah. Um, so it would be many casks blended, mm -hmm. um, and there is actually no age statement on it. Right. We don't know how old they are at all. We don't know how old they are, but that doesn't it doesn't mean that it's not been like selected very like distinctly by yeah. the person at Buffalo by Drew um, to sort of uh, give the the apex of what the Weller line should be. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the, the idea with the, and this, we, we went, we, we talked about this already, like this, because fewer barrels went into this, uh, you're going to get more funkiness. You're going to get more unique flavors that would just, that would just be, the barrels would be just blended out. If you, mm -hmm. if you did that with like a old Weller 107, mm -hmm. the, those barrels would just not provide enough character. And that's such a bigger range. Beep, 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 so close. Uh, with this one, because there's fewer batches in it, uh, you're getting um, you're, you're definitely getting more funkiness in it. Uh, it's more of a unique character compared to the others. Um, and for that reason, like you know, it's it's really hard to reproduce. Like you couldn't make a million bottles of William Weller because yeah. you it does have a unique flavor profile. And every year, just like a wine, every year mm -hmm. it tastes a little different. They make it a little different. And there's a lot of uh, debates. And we, we've certainly done a vertical tasting of Wellers. Uh, uh, we're very fortunate to have like, we what, did. how much do we have? Three years worth? Two yeah, years worth? Yeah, we did, which yeah. was like so random. We, we haven't got that since and I don't know if we're ever going to get it again, but we did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we did like a Verda. So we, we had the, your favorites. They all tasted very different. They did. And I think that's kind of, again, it's the magic of the whiskey, sort of the, the fun piece of it is that, you know, it, if you have this product that it comes off the still the same way and then it goes into all these barrels and it just like sits there and then it all came out the exact same way, then like, I don't know, what's the fun in that? Part of the magic of whiskey making is that you don't know what you're going to get and you, you cannot like rest your hat that a barrel is going to be exactly the same way mm -hmm. next to another barrel that is like for all intents and purposes, the same, yeah. but it's going to turn out very differently depending on the barrel itself. It's, there's this like piece of like little sort of magic that happens, and that's great. And I think that you know, it, whiskey would be a lot less fun if we uh, didn't have that. Yeah, right. If it all tastes the same and, and everything else. What do we care? Them or vodka? Sorry, I mean, I mean some vodkas are different. People do vodka tastings. 
Sorry. Really? I mean, I, they it, do. I, don't know. I know. I, mean, I know. I you know, know what? Well, one day we're gonna have vodka on this podcast. One day, I, I'm determined. Um, no, we but should I, get all the vodka brand ambassadors, like all of them, all of in them, one, one room. room. And should we do a whiskey tasting for them? Oh, that would be fun. And like, and tell them all the reasons why it's whiskey's better. Oh, jeez, that sounds okay. Never mind. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm that idea a little bit more. Jamie's uh, <laughs> like, this sounds great. No, I think uh, it's a great idea. But yeah, no, I think that's, uh, but you're right. We don't want it all to taste the same. And I mean, even the other distilleries that I mentioned, um, so Four Roses, uh, they want everything to taste the same aging wise, but they use a different mash bill and right. they use different yeast strengths to get a variety of whiskeys. Exactly. Um, uh, Maker's Mark that we mentioned also that tries to make the exact same whiskey. They legitimately don't make any other whiskey but Maker's Mark. So yeah. then they made 46 which was kind of they added staves into the barrel yep. to add different flavor components to it for another six months or whatever. So the, the even the distilleries that are going for very much consistency, they want enough variety. So when you're blending all these barrels together, you're blending for flavor. Right. Uh, and so uh, this is certainly great. I mean, going back to, to Pappy Vamical 20 or 23, those are super rare. Barrels don't normally survive 23 years. No. Uh, we say it was scotch too. Like for, if you're buying a 50-year-old scotch, how often does a barrel last 50 years? Exactly. Not often Now, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll pour it into a new barrel or something. You don't have to keep it in the same barrel for 50 years. But that evaporation rate just exactly. continues on. So yep. once you're, you're down to the few drops of – and I think that, that was the problem they had with Pappy 23 a few years ago. They're just like – there was just very little left. They had so much evaporation. It was just the bottom of the barrel that they were just pouring out, and they were trying to make that characteristic out of very little juice. And you can imagine actually in – single malt scotch which has the added problem of uh whiskey going under proof so we yes that in that's Kentucky, right yeah your proof goes up in scotch your proof goes down and so you might have a 50 year old whiskey you might have a quarter of a barrel left or a third of a barrel left if you're lucky but that might be at 37 percent yeah that's a great point that's a really so great a point 50 year old like single malt is is crazy hard to come by i wouldn't i don't know if i'd want to have a 50 year old bourbon because Given where it's aged and the new oak, like I don't, it might be like too much or too intense. So like it's or there'd be and, nothing left. And I, exactly. And I guess the thing is, is like to make it to to have it left over at proof or above, but then also to make it palatable and people want to drink it. Yeah. Because it's not like your your malt master or your master blender or anyone else is going to be like, oh yeah, just bottle it because no one's going to try it anyways. Like yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. All yeah, that money, yeah, they sure will, and so it better be a good one too, because you're you you don't want it to be overout. You want it to be well balanced. You want it to be like something that people will drink, and so like to check off all those boxes is yeah. actually like super hard. Yeah, right. I would say even for a twenty five year old bourbon, like for oh, wow. that twenty five yeah. pappy, like or any of the other twenty fives we've had, Barter House or whatever. They, it's not super easy to come by. Yeah, uh, to make it palatable, to make it you know, to, to have enough of it to, to actually make it worth bottling. Uh, and in the case of single malt to have it like proof wise, like, so it's hard. I, uh, Oh, don't mention that. The 25, we had Drew Mabel over on the podcast <laughs> and Drew's like, Mark, Jamie, anytime you drive down to Kentucky, let me know. And I'll let you taste the 25. And I was like, ah, but you know, is it that much better? He's like, 
It's phenomenal. Uh, and I, uh, I still, those, those words still are in my head. Like, yeah. why, why haven't I driven to fucking Kentucky by now? I know. And, and, and just, just Wait, go, go, go. Are you the first one to swear on this podcast? Because oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> damn it. I didn't do it. Cork pop. Oh. Yeah. oh. So much editing in this one. Oh, man. Oh, I can't believe you said oh, the F word before I, the F I word. did. Oh. It was awesome. You've been so good lately. You've been I know. so good. The, I know. The first 50 podcasts, forget it. it was like I was just cursing. like, beep, boop, 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 pop, 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 pop. And now I'm just like, I'm just like super chill. Ah, good and for you. you I'm really upset. I'm really upset about that. I'm like, <laughs> I, why haven't I done this yet? Oh wait, kids, that's 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 why. Because ah, um, you're tired and you got nothing left in you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, but uh, no, the tw- so yeah, the the it's true. Like, it's very rare to have those those old whiskeys that that really mature. And I think you made a great point about proof point in Scotland as well, uh, because I, I I've tasted some uh, like the uh, Belvini uh, Tun uh, 1401, and when yep. I tasted that, there's one of the bl- one of the whiskeys that went into that wasn't a whiskey it was a 38 percent alcohol you got it and as long as on, on its own it's not a whiskey but as long as it was blended in with other barrels and the proof point went above 40 yes you're good you're good and it certainly added an element to it so it wasn't like they were like oh let's sell this 300 with scotch and just add this shitty barrel no it, mm. use for again <laughs> yeah <laughs> two times Two times, by luck. One, this, two. Pop, this pop. Um, unappreciated barrel of whiskey. Oh, I know. Terrible. That was a terrible pop. I know. Huh? Sheesh. There, that was that better. Was that was good. That was good. And this, then the rest are. This. This. Not good. Oh. Nope. Oh, anyway, um, don't swear again. Uh, so yeah, that it's it's it added a certain. Uh, it's uh, it was it had a, it was very acidic. It reminded me like almost like a like a white wine. It was very it had a lot high acidity level oh. to it. So yeah, because of that, I think it, it just added a nice vibrant element on it. So it didn't make the whiskey at the end of acidic, but it made it like a vibrancy in it that probably would have been missing otherwise. And I think that's what we're talking about when we're saying like we're going to take unusual barrels and blend them into something. We're yeah. saying they're going to stand out really well. And mm-hmm. the people that do this, uh, they like Drew Mavel, which, you know, we've had yeah. on the podcast and you can listen to those episodes. Um, they will take a little tiny samples and just blend them with test tubes and, exactly. and nose them and, and taste them and see what comes out of that. Yeah. And uh, whether they like it or not is, and when they like it, that's when they do it. We, you and I got to taste Stag, I think, uh, yep. before it was released. We, uh, they were like, we think this is going to be the final one, but don't say anything. I'm like, all right, until okay. it's released, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they were still working on it. They still weren't sure if they had it right. Yep. Um, yeah, which yeah. is like, yeah, for sure. And I, I got to do that exercise with uh, David Stewart mm-hmm. uh, when I went to the lab in Glasgow. Uh, it was the same thing. Like, there's a couple experiments that Belveni's working on. Um, and so he was like, okay, so like, here's some barrel samples. And like, and he gave us like a sheet of paper. It was me and Alwyn, who's the UK brand ambassador. And he was like, like, a couple drops of this. <laughs> and then like, essentially, we sort of like blended our own thing. And it was to be graded as like, oh, this potentially could be something that we would release. And so you do it on that small scale, see if it works, and then you just keep like perfecting it. And yeah, I I don't envy like everyone's like, oh my gosh, like it must be so awesome to be like a master blender and all you do is like drink whiskey all day. First of all, that's not true. They use their noses for a lot of it. And they literally proof it right down to like, 30%. 30%. And so it's it and the pressure is incredible to yeah. get it right and to make sure that what you're bottling is like super 
commercially successful, not only with whiskey nerds, um, but with people who, you know, are, are, you know, sort of on the outskirts of that. And yeah. so who you, you maybe want to woo into bringing them into the whiskey nerd category. So no, it's a hard job. Like, yeah. like you have to have a great palate. You have to have kind of, uh, a bit of pizzazz and something that somebody can relate to. And, and it's, it's not easy. So Yeah. I mean, every time I have a bottle, I'm just like, oh, man, who put that together? And, like, that's awesome. Like, Dr. Yeah. Don or, like, any of these guys yeah. that, like, you know, these these awesome, like, master blenders and, and malt masters that have a hard job. Well, it's not unlike, like, people that write, like, movies and scripts. like Because, yeah. like, you, 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 we've spoken to all, all, all the, uh, the master blenders, and, like, they'll, they'll release, like, something this year, and they'll be like, oh, you know, people didn't like this whiskey because – they felt it was a little less boozier than the version before and it was a little drier, but like I wanted to release a whiskey that had these characteristics, yeah. but like sometimes that intention isn't necessarily understood by the drinker. And, and this is the level of like critics, the, 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 going back to the internet, the internet like, is like, well, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted something like different. And so Master Blenders had that pressure of they have like, a huge pressure. Yeah. is this special release? Now we're talking about like, you know, if you're talking about like Buffalo Trace regular or Belvany 12 or, you know, Glenlivet 12, like those are going to be all the same every year. The yep. whole idea, the only pressure there is make it taste the same. Uh, but with these special releases like this BTAC that we're enjoying right now, um, like with very old uh, scotches or old bourbons, um, the pressure there is to release not the same product as the product the year before, but just a uniquely similarly styled product with the same similar profile. You got it. Oh, had one beep. beep. Right. That was a good beep. That was a good beep. Um, it was a warning beep. It was a warning beep. That's better than nothing. But I think, <laughs> I think you're 100 percent right, and I think that along with that sort of pressure, aren't we lucky as whiskey drinkers that we have all of this to choose from? Yeah. That if we don't love the BTAC from 2017, that we have this 2016 version that we like, that we enjoy, that someone made that was right in our wheelhouse that we could have a moment with. And we can choose to drink that as quick or as slow as we want, and then we'll see what happens next year. And so I think that you know the industry as a whole like has tried to cover as many bases as possible yeah. so that people who enjoy sweeter whiskeys and drier whiskeys or people who enjoy oakier or fruitier whiskeys will have something, have many things to choose from actually. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, you know, there is, there is that sort of thing where we are sort of living in a great time right now. I, it's not super easy to find whiskeys sometimes and it's, it's not always within like our means, but at the end of the day, amongst all the entry-level four-year bourbons, 12-year scotches, eight years here, like whatever, you can probably find something that you can go back to like over and over again. And then you can sort of have your way with the rest. And you can sort of like pick and choose here and there. This is the thing that I like. So I'm going to talk to a great bartender and see what they can recommend to me that I can have. So like we're, we're actually like, we're really lucky right now. There's so many fun things that are going on and so many um, experiments that are happening that we're kind of spoiled for choice. And that's not necessarily like a bad thing. Yeah. Like we can yeah. sort of, we can, we're, we're, we're doing great. Yeah. I think <laughs> we, we are. We're I mean, all this doing is, great. I know like people keep talking about the good old days of whiskey, which we do, but we're really talking about the mid, well, even the mid to late two thousands, there weren't as much variety as there is today. There wasn't. And, and, and I get it. And like the price point was like yeah. so much better, 
but there's much more now. so much more. yeah there's a lot more it's hard to get a hold of but we have options and we have a whole bunch of other things and it's not always going to be like this yeah and so you know whatever you can find and whatever you sort of is your go-to then like you know stick to that and then buy all the fun stuff that you can and then we'll see we'll, you know we'll see you in a couple of years and who knows where we're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going to your point too, I mean, if you're drinking that, that wonderful bottle, which is probably worth five to $800 on the aftermarket, like it's, it's very expensive. The, the, the Weller, Willie Moo Weller from the BTAC collection. There are similarities between that and the 12, not so much the 107, but there's that, that slight similarities yeah. there so that you can enjoy the 12 without being like, Oh no, da da da. But the, the BTAC version definitely has more of the funkiness, more grindiness, more, character uh like i i've already finished mine but it's not even, even the empty glass smells 100 delicious in a whole different way but there are yeah. elements there that are similar that, that remind you of the weller 12 uh if you know them side by side they won't know it's very similarly but but they there are characteristics you will <laughs> just, pick up just kidding about that but, but there are but there are characteristics yeah. you'll pick are, up yeah, uh, there's 100%. there's they're not obvious characteristics all the time but there are characters you pick up so you can kind of you can kind of enjoy that's kind of like the premium version of the 12, I guess, is a good way of looking at it, or yep. the 107. Yep. Um, and some people don't like funky whiskeys. I mean, honestly, that's a whole other well, and thing. That's what I like, that's why people hate 20 and 23. Pappy Van Winkle, like, it's, it's, a, it's a mouthful of oak. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of oak. And you oak. don't necessarily want something that's been aged that long, yeah. especially in the bourbon category, in a very hot climate, in a very, uh, you know, like you don't necessarily want something that's 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 a certain flavor profile that may not agree with people. 100%. Uh, and that's just fine too. I think so. And I think that's like, that's been my number one sort of like takeaway uh, from working in the industry. Um, it's been really interesting because everyone... Not everyone. A lot of people come up to my table or whatever when I'm pouring and they'll be like, oh, like, what's the oldest? Like, what's the mm -hmm. most expensive? Like, what's the one? And I'm always like, uh, I'm always like sort of it's a hard question to like answer because just because it's old doesn't mean it's going to agree with you. Doesn't mean it's going to like fall into your palate in the way that you want it to. So for some people like if I gave them a 50 year old Balvenie, they would be like, uh, yeah. How, what? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is cr like, it's ugh, too much this or like too much. And it, it, so it's all about your palate. And so if you, if your palate falls into a lovely, like 12 or like 14 year old, like single malt, then like, great go yeah. for it congratulations yeah. you saved yourself a couple bucks doesn't like just because it's old and expensive doesn't mean that it's going to be the one that you want to drink yeah day in and day out it doesn't even mean that it's the one that you want to celebrate with because it's not within your wheelhouse like it's right. not something that like agrees with you you're like Ugh, why is that so much like Ugh, like it's so oaky like it just tastes like chewing on a branch or whatever so i think like the most important thing is to find what you like and start within that realm and then just like slowly sort mm -hmm. of like peter out yeah. like you don't have to go like it just, just because there's a 30 year old whiskey on the table or whatever doesn't mean you have to like go for it it doesn't yeah. mean that it's going to be the thing that like impresses you the most like it whatever you like is going to be your thing whiskey, the